passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone. I am... John Pollock, the Ronin, who is just going from computer to computer as I try and keep up to date with you, the listener. And I'm joined by Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? I'm good. What's the latest? The latest? Uh, where did we leave things off on Monday? So your Dell, uh, you received back and then you discovered that it wasn't turning on. So now that you've sent it back. One more I sent time. It- I, I did not send it back. Oh. I have it. And then they were to send me uh, a, a tech was going to come to fix everything on Tuesday morning. So I've been without my laptop since last Tuesday. It's been a, a full week at this point. So Tuesday morning, they are they tell me that a technician will be coming sometime between 9 a.m. and 1 o'clock p.m. I said, all right little inconvenient the time but whatever it's it's a it's a gap of which at least at the end of this i'll have my laptop fixed so as i've told people i'm i'm not at my home this week i'm at my parents house so that's where i had to have this technician sent to so i'm here by myself on tuesday morning so i've got to stay upstairs i don't want to miss this person knocking on the door and i'm downstairs and don't hear them so i'm sitting at this table upstairs it's 9.30, it's 10.30, it's 11.30. I am not, my optimism is dwindling away. I shoot an email to Dell just confirming that a technician is en route to this address to fix my laptop that you broke. No response. So then a call is made. And guess what way? Dell had a big problem on Monday. And this specific uh, facility was closed on Monday. So they've been backed up by a lot of problems. And we canceled your appointment for Tuesday. That's funny because I could have sworn you never called or contacted me regarding this cancellation. Am I dreaming? Am I, did I have a phone call? Did I have a conversation from a reputable company? Of course not, because I'm not dealing with a reputable company. I'm dealing with fucking Dell. So they said that Wednesday they might be coming. Let's let's rewind. There was one word in there that's very concerning to me. Might. Mm. Might be coming? Well, yes. You see, we don't know what the exact problem is that we have caused to your laptop, which came in one state and we sent back in a whole worse state. We don't know what damage we have done to your laptop. We might need certain parts to fix this. And we don't know if we have those parts in stock. So then a follow-up email comes explaining this equipment dilemma. 
that I am to contact them Wednesday. First of all, you will contact me, not vice versa. You are working for me now. And they state that because of this one particular part that they might need, there's that word again, the more realistic date to get this part and have someone come out to you is December. Brace for it, Way The 17th. The 17th. Jesus. Excuse me? I got this laptop sent back to me on December the 1st broken. And you're telling me it will not be corrected. Your your error will not be corrected until 16 days later? Can you please take that part and do something with it that causes pain on your behalf? So I have no laptop. I have no clue what I am, uh, what my next step is. I assume maybe if I just put my laptop out on the street and leave it overnight, I have a better shot of it working the next morning, that a technician may fall out of the sky and fix this abandoned laptop than Dell showing up and doing their job. I felt like Chris Jericho yelling at these people. Do your fucking job. This Jeez. is what a free this is what a warranty gets you way. Mm, versus me just going up the street and dropping money that I don't feel I should have to because I spent money on this warranty. Yeah, you certainly shouldn't have to. But what are your options now? Do you have you brought that up with Dell? Can you pay for this repair that I am going to take somewhere else? Way anything that ends with me placing faith in this company to come through for me has been a dismal failure. So assuming anything, I I wouldn't even put it past them that by the time someone shows up on December 17th, my warranty is up by December 17th. I explained it was up in mid-December and thus I wanted to get this taken care of. I wouldn't even put put it past them that they would then try and charge me at the end of this because my warranty expired. I, I detest this company. I detest everything about this experience that has left me laptopless. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, the the tea spilling was very unfortunate, but everything afterwards, I I'm I totally sympathize with you. That's how that's, much penance must a man pay for <laughs> spilling his own tea? Quite a bit, evidently, man. Uh, nice. So, what are you doing now? Just working off of your iPad? Way I am on. I am in my sister's uh, on my sister's computer on her my sister's desktop here. Because my other laptop, it will not even open Skype. My piece of garbage crashes. Jesus. It's the worst way. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then I was about to message you last night to say, wait, I really need to come over and do this in person. I have no other way. And then I re- I don't even have transportation to get to your place. Oh. I am just completely helpless way. Poor man. I am just a mess. It's, it's a like, technological mess. You're like one step away from being homeless, I feel. Oh, my Damn. God. Um, I, 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 feel, I, w- I wish there was some solution, you know, I wish, I wish there was something we could do. Like, can we call, Apple. can we, Apple. that's the solution way. Can we call Dell? You know what? There's a chance they will call during. This okay. Podcast. Excellent. And I promise you, if they call, I'm putting my ringer on, we will have a discussion oh, on this show. I look forward to that. How was your night? My night was, uh. Not not that eventful. Um, I, I just kind of stayed at home and then uh, did some work and then I watched SmackDown. That was it. Not, no drama. Um, 
all my machines were working. I actually had a great day yesterday. Did you? Up, in, up until all of this stuff. And tell me went, about it. Went to go see Max. Had a great day. Awesome. He, has not been, he has not been sleeping very well this week. He's in a different place. He's got sleep in a playpen, so it's a big adjustment for him. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And but then I got home in time for SmackDown. And as I've said, I don't have I also don't have access to a DVR here. So I had to watch this live. You poor man. And I could have watched it online afterwards, I realize, but anyway, I watched this live. This show to me took way more out of me than three hours of Raw on Monday. Hmm. I don't know what it was. I'm not even saying this was an awful show or anything, but I was maybe it was the combination of both. Just like, man, I can't sit through one more commercial. I can't imagine doing this. Mm. I can't imagine watching TV and you have to stop. The momentum ends at a commercial break. I sound like the most spoiled person in the world, but man, yeah. try sitting through a two-hour show next time and the commercials. I feel like a, a large chunk of people probably still do watch SmackDown Live or watch Raw Live. For me, actually, like I... I sometimes welcome commercial breaks simply because they offer uh, a time to for me to do something else. When I'm watching with PV, uh, with a DVR or PVR, and I skip through everything, it's a bit more of an intense, you know, uh, uh, experience of watching the show. It's like listening to a podcast on two times the speed. I have Best. to really focus, and sometimes I don't want to focus. Sometimes I want to maybe focus for a little bit and then take my mind off, go on Twitter, you know, uh, grab an apple. Uh, not a computer, like a physical apple, and eat it, and then go back to watching the show. I'm going to throw an apple at someone. Um, the thing is, when you're watching it live, though, and you don't have that uh, ability to rewind, like the commercial break, it's like it's like the time is it's like a timeout has been called, and you've got three minutes to go run do something, and then the show's beginning again. I mean, that's one thing if you're just watching for leisure, but I, I got to be. Taking notes here. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't miss the uh, the, to, the, tope? the latest uh, Jinder Mahal, AJ Styles historical feature. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, that is something that's kind of important for you. Yeah, these are these are big problems <laughs> that we're trying to solve mm-hmm. in the world. Oh, well, pity us, pity us, everybody. I watched a new Punisher episode. Oh, I really, okay. like, I really like this series. I wish I could keep up with you with this conversation, but I've yet to continue. So, maybe, what, how many maybe have you time. watched? Only like two or three, I think. Okay, you're three. not. I've only watched five. I'm not that far ahead of you. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, until we get in sync, I feel like we can't really discuss it. Like okay. we're gonna have to probably finish the show completely, both of us first, before we do it. Okay, well, we'll we'll keep the Punisher in the back of everyone's mind, and okay. we'll have a discussion down the road. Are you ready to get into SmackDown Live? I am. All right. Tuesday night, San Diego, California, at the Valley View Casino Center. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came out at the beginning. Owens welcomed us to the Sami and Kevin show, and Sami reversed it to the Kevin and Sami show. They mentioned many victims of McMahon family vendettas over the years. They cite Daniel Bryan, Bret Hart, and Steve Austin, with Owen stating, they are better than all of the people they just mentioned combined. Owens refers to Randy Orton as Shane's vessel of destruction, meaning we have a vessel on Raw and a vessel on SmackDown. 
between Matt Hardy and Randy Orton and says that Orton used to be used by Stephanie and has been given everything while these two have had to scratch and claw for everything. Shane led the SmackDown team to failure at the Survivor Series, and now he's using Orton to handle his dirty work. Owens isn't scared of Orton or SmackDown's management. He outsmarted Shane McMahon, and that isn't very hard by someone who is blinded by his own shortcomings. So then Zayn takes over the promo, and he does a demonstration for all of us, starting inside of the ring. Then he goes to the floor, or as we say in the biz, ringside. (laughs) which I thought was a very funny line. He then says thing, the characteristics of ringside include a terrible announce team, the timekeeper, and looking up close at the WWE universe, which is not a pleasant sight tonight, which got easy heat. And then he just came back stating, you boo, because it's true. And then he walked to the ramp and stating, once you cross this line, this is a different area altogether. This is the upside down. He can call it whatever you want. But you can't say this is ringside. And they worked within the system and still won last week. And Owens is standing, listening to Sami Zayn's explanation. And out of nowhere comes Randy Orton with a perfectly timed RKO, which was shot at a great angle. And that capped off our opening segment. I thought the standout here on the mic was Sami Zayn as opposed to Kevin Owens. Certainly. I I mean, I think they're both great. But like uh, the Sami Zayn heel turn, I think, has has been really impressive um, because I think when it happened, you know, the man is just such a natural baby face that it's almost tough for, I think, a lot of people to imagine him as a heel. But he, yeah, I mean, a very smart performer. He was able to kind of take all his traits and, like, somehow uh, carve them into uh, a really dislikable, but not boring, you know, still entertaining, but just a dislikable person. Like, you know who, who actually the two of them remind me of? Um, Balkan Skull from the Power sure. Rangers. One guy is sort of like the big leader bully, and the other guy is like sort of the skinny one who just provides a, an echo chamber for the for the leader. And I think that's what Sami Zayn is, he, and he does a great job of it. Uh, very well done. They're, they're, again, both of those guys were annoying, but they didn't go on too long. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this opening with, with Zayn. I still do watch this guy, and it's it, it's it goes back to our discussion that we had on Monday night about these baby faces that are you just seem are such natural baby faces, and here you have to go this other direction with them. And I I, I think Sami Zayn's been a fine heel, but I thought this guy was a superstar baby face in waiting at the time, and it made me think on Friday night. I know you didn't see the Ultimate Fighter finale, but you're familiar with Roxanne Modafferi, correct? Oh, yeah. This is one of the nicest people in MMA. Everyone loves this woman. You could see it on Friday night. Everyone was rooting for Roxanne Modafferi, one of the good people in MMA, that she could finally win a UFC championship. And she lost the fight. She was completely gracious afterwards. She's just, she's the happy warrior. Everyone loves this woman. And I just watch her. It's like, this is a a real-life version of Bailey. And I just imagine Roxanne Modafferi, if you could, if you had to script this woman in the WWE, they would give up after four months and she'd end up saying, you know what, Roxanne Modafferi, maybe we have to turn her heel. (laughs) Which is kind of at the point they're at with with Bailey, who is, in NXT, was just the most likable individual 
on that show that everyone rooted for. They were parallel to one another. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? Is it is it really the audience that doesn't take to a baby face that we have to go a direction? And we just it just seems that's the answer to every failing baby face on the main roster is that they can turn heel. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe that Sami Zayn is going to be a better heel than he could have been as a baby face. Because I thought that guy had every everything you would want in someone. If I were to show a random person a wrestling match, this would be the guy, a guy that I think you could just watch cold. Be like, man, this guy's awesome. They certainly have an inability um, to promote pure baby faces, in my opinion, for the most part. But the way they seem to want to promote a baby face is to turn them heel first, get people to notice them. Uh, and then they do the anti-hero thing with them afterwards and um, promote them as a baby face with an edge. And I, I assume that there's still a very high likelihood that Sami Zayn in the future will have a bigger baby face run. It's, it just might be a, a slightly different one and probably, you know, with a lot of wasted time uh, for him to actually get there. With a lot of people they turn, I can understand that. With Zayn, I just... I don't think they even planned it this way, but it somewhat became his default character was seeing how Owens cheated and took all the shortcuts and got ahead. And he realized there was that path for him, but he always refused it. And and he failed and he failed. And I I, I like the story that this was a guy that was never going to compromise his morals, even though he saw this example in his former best friend that has gotten to where he wants to be. And instead, he turned. Mm-hmm. I never would have turned Sami Zayn. But he is in a better position now than he was four months ago. So there's that for him from a point of view of his character. And he's doing fine in this role. I did like this segment. Shane came out after the RKO. And he thanked Sami for the ringside tutorial. He says he does not have a personal vendetta against them. But announces that Owens and Zayn will be featured at Clash of Champions, taking on Randy Orton and the mystery partner way. They got an idea from us Monday night. Hmm. And then he makes a singles match for tonight between Randy Orton and Sami Zayn, with Owens being allowed to join him at ringside, but will be handcuffed to the ring rope. And they cut to Owens, who is on the floor, still selling the RKO at the end of this. And that was our setup tag match for clash of champions involving our non-champions mm-hmm. um i suppose um as a pure tag match i'm still not as big of a fan of it uh especially for a pay-per-view and at this point i suppose you're gonna do aj and gender that'll be your big match but um you know with the sti- what with a the- what a big match i know with the added stipulations though of um Zane and, and, and Owens potentially losing their jobs, it can it certainly does feel like a bigger match. They plugged Cena not just being on the Tonight Show tonight, but he will be on the Today Show tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You got that? Owens and Zane are backstage. Owens is still selling the RKO. Zane has to inform Owens of everything that just happened because Owens was so out of it. And <laughs> I thought this was really funny hearing Owens have to re- react to everything we've just had laid down by Shane. Zane calls it inhumane that he has to be handcuffed, and Owens is holding his neck, and he's going to go speak to Daniel Bryan to fix this. 
I thought this was great. His selling of the RKO, not just in the segment itself, but afterwards in the talking segment, I think really, really helped uh, the, the entire effect of the entire thing. Rusev and Aiden English were inside of the ring and English says every day is Rusev day. And the crowd started chanting Rusev day. This is going to be such a popular item for, for Rusev as he now is getting merchandise for this. I mean, I feel these two are going to be turned by the audience in rather quick fashion. Yeah, they I think everyone are. loves these two, especially Rusev. They already are. English says at this time of the year, there are 12 days of Rusev and he starts singing. And the second day features a mention of the Rusev Day t-shirt, which Rusev pulls out and the place goes nuts for. And then the New Day interrupted them. I would say nine times out of ten, any baby faces that interrupted these two would be booed. But the New Day did have the crowd behind them here. This was a great introduction. I, it, Rusev in English has been a great uh, thing that they've stumbled into with these two, with the Rusev Day and the singing combined together. I agree. They took on Biggie and Kofi Kingston. Early on, Rusev rescued English, pulling him to the floor to set up the commercial. English was in control of Kofi. Rusev comes in. He gets hit with a double foot stomp from Kofi out of the corner to make the hot tag to Big E, who hit all of his belly-to-bellies to English, splash. And then Rusev comes in, rakes Biggie's eyes, and hits uh, Big E hits a urinagi out of the corner. Rusev then pulls Big E to the floor, throws him into the steps. Kingston does a dive to the floor. And then Kofi returns to the ring going for a springboard, but is tripped up by Rusev running into the ropes, super kicks Kofi, and Rusev pins Kofi Kingston. They went nine minutes, 25 seconds, and this led to Rusev and Aiden English being inserted into the Clash of Champions tag title match, which will now be a four-way with the champions, the Usos, and Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin comprising the other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm glad to see... This team get pushed. I think the division needs some fresh teams. Um, eh, overall, though, Clash of the Champions, it's it's kind of shaping up to be kind of like you know what what kind of like its namesake, a Clash of the Champions, you know, NWA WCW show, like a glorified TV special, not necessarily a pay per view with a bunch of blood feuds. You know, it's it's a show where you get to see everybody on the show and everybody gets a chance. And yeah. And the main event is going to be a Styles Clash of Champions. Moving on, they recapped the Hype Brothers breaking up, and then Renee interviewed Mojo, and he says everyone is getting on him over last week, even Gronk. He says when Zack Ryder got hurt, he went out and won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal on his own. Then Ryder came back to drag him down, He's a serious competitor. He's no one's tag partner. And if anyone has a problem with what he did, they can show it. I thought Mojo did really well here. This was the most important promo of his career thus far, and I thought he nailed it. Hmm. He didn't really come through to me in this promo like he did to you. Um, But that was it. We had our follow-up. No Zack Ryder on this show. I I mean, I've always enjoyed his promo. Um, I think what... What annoyed me about it was the fact that he would have to add in so many obnoxious catchphrases and to, to continue doing that the whole hype bro thing. Him playing a more serious, pissed off character 
like like he was here and with great motivation explaining how yes when Ryder was gone his career was arguably yeah arguably but in his mind uh, 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 much better so he I thought he did really well can you take a heel seriously with the name Mojo um I mean is the rock any better Dolph is bad. I think it's what you make of it, honestly. Like, Dolph is pretty bad, yeah. But, like... Maybe he should he, just pick one or the other. Like, He's either Mo or Joe Raleigh. Uh, I'd go with Mo. Mm, okay. <laughs> Mo Raleigh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. Daniel Bryan was with Carmella, Lana, and Tamina. Carmella said she rid the world of James Ellsworth and wants the spotlight at Clash of Champions. Lana is campaigning for Tam- Tamina to get the title shot instead. Brian says Carmella is welcome to be part of the title match between Charlotte and Natalia. She just has to cash in her money in the bank, but she is now calling Frankie. I wonder if it can rest on her shoulder. I wonder why she decided to call it Frankie. In honor of uh, Hall of Famer Coco Beware. The riot, squ- the riot squad walked in, and Ruby points out that she pinned Charlotte, yet she's not part of the title match, and asks if it's because of her tattoos or not being part of the Bella army. Then Liv Morgan asks Brian if, she, if he has something against blondes, and then Sarah Logan goes off on Brian not liking Southerners and asks if he's ever hunted wild game before, which I think it's a safe assumption he has not. Brian just screams in anger. Uh, which will be the meme that is used if Brian ever does officially give his notice and leaves the company next summer and says that Charlotte versus Natalia will now be a lumberjack match, which all of these women will now be a part of. And for whatever reason, this satisfied all of these women who are willing to take this consolation prize of being ringside for this match as opposed to fighting for the title. Yeah, they, I guess they just want to be on, on TV. That's all they're looking for. Um, it was an interesting kind of uh, uh, segment in the way that they decided to kind of rile up Daniel Bryan by accusing him of being superficial and making him uh, suggesting that he's prejudiced against blondes, people with tattoos, and also people from the South. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just it's it's fascinating because like they haven't really gone that route before. And I'm kind of curious to know what what inspired that. Um, you know, it to them it, it it seemed to work. I thought the Riot Squad did okay. You know, I think their physicality is is it's more effective in getting them over as threats than these backstage talking segments. And here, you know, especially with them just being okay to uh, to be lumberjacks, um, doesn't necessarily make them feel like the threats that they were posed to be in previous weeks. Then we had the segment of the night. Bobby Roode is in the locker room. Baron Corbin walks in, and he asks him about how he feels about it being a triple threat at Clash of Champions when Dolph Ziggler does not belong in the match. And Bobby Roode, after more than a year in the WWE, has adopted their educational system and says that because of Ziggler being added, his odds of winning the match have gone down by a third, which Corbin then says, well, his chances of retaining the title have also gone down a third. Two morons here. 
So okay. Ziggler walks. Mm-hmm. He says he's in the match because he's a two-time world champion, a five-time intercontinental champion, and he cashed in Money in the Bank successfully and says their odds just dropped to zero. They have a 0% chance of winning the match next now, week. Is he more right? See, he's he is speaking uh, figuratively, whereas Rude and Corbin were trying to speak literally. Like they literally have – 33% less of a chance of winning this match because you understand that once you have three people in the ring, you flip a coin and the winner, they all have the exact same odds. Mm, yeah. Well, I, 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 I guess they need to get Vegas in there to really determine what the odds are. In the you know what? Way. Vegas would lose their mind. They would be like, have you guys never understood lines and how they work? No two people are equal. Some of them are. Sometimes there are, are very rare pickums, but the vast majority. This is not a pickum with these three. By their logic, our next match between the Bludgeon Brothers against Josh Carr and Adam Jones, Carr and James had a one in two chance of winning this match. Way, sure, fifty percent odds. They killed the first guy in the ring, then attacked the other guy on the floor. Rowan scoop slams Harper on top of the guy in the ring, and then they do the double crucifix bomb and win in a minute. Another good squash. I mean, this time they're even—they're not even sacrificing actual established teams. They're sacrificing jobbers and giving them the you know the Braun Strowman rocket. And I think it's effective. I think it's very simple, and I think it's going to work. No vintner, no mind control. Just have these guys come out there, destroy people in less than a minute. Done. Yeah, and you really don't have – I mean much like Asuka on Monday, you don't have the roster of women to just throw at them. I mean utilize these enhancement talents for these purposes. Their, their only job, the Bludgeon Brothers, is to go in there and to look devastating, and they're doing a great job of it. Owens is in the back with Zayn. Zayn wants uh, a lawyer to deal with Shane's ruling for this match. And Owens informs him that he spoke with Daniel Bryan, who is going to think about it. Then Corbin and Rude had their non-title match with Dolph Ziggler on commentary. He says he's a part of a match because of how good he is and making the title prestigious. Ziggler admits that Rude is more than just an entrance, but finds him, quote, disgusting. Rude drop kicks the knee of Corbin and then Tom Phillips repeats that it's a one in three chance of Ziggler walking out as champion. Rude blocks a choke slam attempt. They do a double down off the clothesline. And then Ziggler gets up, enters the ring, and he looks at both men, hits Rude with a zigzag for the DQ at 325, and then hits Corbin with one as well. Hmm. Yes. I think uh, Dolph, whenever he talks, I get the sense he's just doing it on autopilot like he's very good he's very confident in his delivery and like by the by a textbook definition i would say he's a good promo but i just it's been a while since i've really gotten the sense that he cared about what he was saying and what that he cared about his placement in the company i just like i really don't sense the hunger in his performance that i do in other performers let's say like a samoa joe you know and maybe maybe dolph at this point is actually content playing kind of this utility man role 
and not really moving up or maybe he just he it's been beaten so so much out of him that he just he knows he can go out there and cut this promo with his like without even i don't know thinking about it too much and then just move into the next town and pursue some other passion he's got going on in his life afterwards I think more so than him. I think they beat it out of the audience. I think they've done the most detrimental thing to Dolph Ziggler in that they've put him out there a million times chasing his latest goal and coming up short and failing. And it's you don't believe anything from him. There's no credibility behind his words because you've seen the song and dance a million times that no it's, one takes anything serious because they know there's no payoff. Why invest in anything he says? It's true, but we've seen, I think, instances like this, too, where, like, performers would at least try to reinvent themselves. You know, you think of, like, the best example, obviously, is would be somebody like a Chris Jericho who feels and senses that he might be a little stale with the audience. And he'll go out there and he'll try new things. He'll, he'll change his look. He'll add things to his character. But Dolph, like, we haven't seen him evolve at all in, in years. Then uh, Natalia was with Carmella, Lana, and Tamina. She's very excited. They're going to be the Lumberjacks for her match against Charlotte and says that she will have Tamina's back tonight when she faces Charlotte. Charlotte's never going to be one of them. And they have a right to defend themselves at Clash of Champions if Charlotte uh, gets thrown into them. And she needs to know if they have her back in case the Riot Squad attacks her and refers to the Riot Squad as three stray cats. And the cats then enter the scene behind Natalia. And Natalia turns around and thanks them for taking out Becky Lynch and Naomi, puts them over, says that Charlotte's jealous of them and they are the most powerful women in the WWE. And I was just very confused on this episode of how the Riot Squad is being presented. This week, it felt like they were like baby faces here because of them playing off of Natalia. I thought this was, if you're comparing them to absolution, they felt much more minuscule in their presentation in week two than absolution who were all over raw. And I think it wasn't even a question of which group was had the better follow-up this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I mean, could they be positioning them as a baby face team? Um, I, I, Maybe, probably not. I get the sense they're just trying to position them as threats to everybody. Mm. They're the foils. The, like, they're Charlotte's lumberjacks. Like, that's how they're positioned on the show when they attack Charlotte. I mean, it's yeah. kind of positioned that Lana, Tamina, and Carmella are the heels, mm-hmm. and the Riot Squad are the default babyface lumberjacks. Right. Because that's just the way that they have worked this out. They're very heel-heavy when you don't have Becky on the show I mean, and Naomi. So. when Becky and Naomi... Is Naomi out? Uh, they put up a thing that she was injured in the attack, and I don't know if that was storyline oh, okay, or not. Okay, okay, but okay. regardless, she wasn't on this show. Right. Okay. Uh, they recapped Styles winning the title from Jinder Mahal, the handicap match last week. Uh, it was a lengthy feature, and this was the only uh, reference to these two on the show. Neither made appearances. They cut to Charlotte and Tamina, who are already inside of the ring. And the match begins. We have Lana, Carmella, and Natalia at ringside. Tamina lifted up Charlotte onto her back, drove her into the turnbuckle. They went through a commercial. Tamina was in control. Charlotte made the comeback with chops and goes to apply the figure eight and had real trouble on the bridge, which didn't matter because as soon as this was applied, it was as though Brett Johns had just applied a calf slicer because Tamina tapped to this instantly. 
Yeah, maybe a bit early, but yeah, it it happens in MMA. Maybe Charlotte has been learning t- tighter technique. Yeah, sure. She doesn't even need the bridge now. Mm-hmm. Natalia is on the microphone and says, a clash of champions. She's taking back her title. The queen will bow down to the best there is, was, ever will be. And then Lana and Carmella get on the apron when the riot squad comes out. And Ruby says that for once she agrees with Natalia and says that they're going to give them a preview and tells the audience to enjoy their candy and soda as Logan and Morgan then exchanged uh, delivered lines with Morgan stating that no one is safe when a riot is about to break out. And this led to everyone fighting and Charlotte escaping with her title. Uh, I feel like Morgan said a bit more than that. And I, I can't really tell you what it was because I couldn't rewind to transcribe. So she I'm like, limited here. She in, in both of her speaking parts on the show, like um, she I mean, I like her delivery. I love the accent. It's like she really kind of stands out amongst this the, is Sarah Logan. You're talking about Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Mor- Yeah, Sarah Logan. Sorry. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think she really stands out from the rest of the audience. Uh, sorry, the rest of the the roster. But, man, like, anytime she was given lines on the show, it was like <laughs> it was like she was speaking a different language. And the end result was, like, more more treating her as sort of like a comedy person. Like, like, what? Like, what, like, like, what's what's his lamp? I love lamp. What's 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 that guy's name? Anchorman. You know what I'm talking about? The Steve Carell character. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like like that. He like she comes across like that guy. Like uh, okay, like sort of just as like a bewildered kind of punchline, rather than like some somebody actually intimidating. So, um, she's Becky the farmer's daughter for women of wrestling fans uh, out there. Sure, I guess so. But um, that's how she came across to me. Whether or not that was intentional, I can't imagine that it was, especially with the way that they're kind of positioning her as such a physical threat uh, in the attacks last week. Ruby, you know, I think she's definitely, again, by far the best of the group, but you can't help but compare this group to Absolution every single week, and Ruby simply just doesn't have Paige's presence. And I think that leadership role is obviously the most important in the group. Um, And so... Uh, you know, but I, I, again, I, I feel like this is what only the third week and she'll only continue to progress. So then we had um, Owens and Zane backstage meeting with Daniel Bryan. Owens thanks him for hearing him out earlier. And Bryan agrees with Shane's idea. And Owens will be handcuffed to the ring. And he's joined by security, including Eric Watts, not Bill Watson, but the Eric Watts of Tough Enough fame from 2011. They handcuffed Owens to the ring rope, and Brian is threatening to suspend him if he doesn't go through with it. And Owens throws a tantrum, yelling that Brian is better than this. And we come back for the main event between Zayn and Randy Orton. And the beginning sees Orton throwing Zayn over the announcer's desk, drops him back first onto the barricade, and then drives him into the desk, drops him on it. Owens is yelling at Orton. And Orton gets distracted, and this sets up Zayn nailing him with a drop kick from the ring and runs Orton into the steps. They go through the commercial break. Zayn snaps Orton on the top rope by the neck, and then he goes under the ring and grabs bolt cutters. And instead of using this as a weapon, he went over to try and free Kevin Owens, but Orton stops him from using them on the handcuffs. And Orton sends Owens into the post. Zayn climbs to the top, gets crotched by Orton. And Orton does his crazy superplex where he squats as he's going to hit it. It really looks fantastic. 
Owens then struggles because he's got the bolt cutters and he's trying and trying to snap them. And Orton nails him down on the floor, hits a draping DDT to Zayn, sets up for the RKO. Owens gets onto the apron because he's freed now. And this distracts Orton. Zayn gets a schoolboy for a two count and then misses with the Haluva kick. And it's Orton who wins the match with a schoolboy on Sami Zayn. Good match. Uh, what did you think of the match? I thought it was a good match. Um, I think Owens is a lot of fun to watch. Um, just doing anything. I think his selling with uh, Brian forcing the handcuffs on him was great. Him trying to cut the handcuffs with kind of with one arm was like a lot of fun as well. So um, I, I was quite entertained by this kind of otherwise, you know, pretty ridiculous stipulation. You know, no, no performer ever wants to deal with an injury. But if anything, if Owens ever had to sit out for like six months, there's so much you could utilize with this oh, guy, whether no. it be as an announcer, as yeah. a manager, and it would it would keep his presence there in a totally different way. And and it would be fresh when he made his comeback later. Like you, there's so much you could utilize with this guy if, if ever there was a need that he couldn't wrestle for a several months for instance well that's what happened with punk when he exactly was and he hurt. was phenomenal on on commentary for those couple of months and then you had a big angle for him to come back with at the end no, of it all like kevin owens is like such a good all-around performer that no one no single injury let's say he couldn't if he couldn't talk he's still of great value to the company if he can't wrestle he's still of great value to the company so there i don't think that guy will ever mm, be in trouble uh, with with things to do after the match, Zane and Orton go at, uh, Zane and Owens go after Orton, and this prompts Shinsuke Nakamura to come down and help out Orton. He delivers a Kinshasa to Owens. Then Randy hits an RKO to Zane. Orton and Nakamura shake hands, and then Nakamura lifts up the lifeless Owens as he takes an RKO. And then Orton holds Zane in place for a Kinshasa. Both pose on the turnbuckles, and we go to the back where Shane is with Brian. Shane calls this one of the most satisfying endings to SmackDown since these two began running the show. Brian says, all right, are you done punishing Owens and Zayn? Shane says, no, I'm just getting started with Owens and Zayn because at Clash of Champions in the tag match, I will be the special referee. And if they lose, they will be fired. And not just from SmackDown, but from all of WWE. And that ended the show. The stip is a good stip. It's a big stipulation that uh, adds a lot of interest to to this otherwise, I would say, kind of eh, TV level tag match. Um, I really like the line at the end there from uh, Shane, or sorry, from Brian against Shane. Uh, you know, kind of indicating that Brian is kind of sick of Shane. You know, taking out his uh, personal aggressions on on. On television like this and it it was rather subtle he just said are you done punishing these guys uh but it's setting up for more in the future between those two so um i i, I really like both those characters i think they're kind of like yeah they're, they're it's, it's 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 a story that's kind of has a bit more depth than your average smackdown storyline i think i would have left the stipulation that it's just these two being fired from smackdown because i think it adds just more believability to it but I do think sure. it sets up Owens and Zayn ultimately winning this match, whether uh, with intentional help from Brian or accidental help from Brian. I think right. that's the only way to go with this 
and they, furthering they, the Brian Shane divide. The only thing is that I feel like they want to go to Raw, right? Like Owens never wanted to be on SmackDown in the first place. Uh huh. So I don't know, like if that. Oh, would be so such you're a, saying like they want they should be fighting? There's no reason like it's for them not to a be threat. fighting to to keep their jobs here. Yeah, it's not as big of a threat as as being fired altogether. Right. Well. I mean, given the the independent market right now, I think these two would do phenomenal if they got fired by the WWE. <laughs> yeah, I know that's honest. what they I should mean, actually God, want. Could you imagine that? Yeah, go to New Loser go, goes to New Japan. I mean, that's that's an extra three thousand tickets for the elite's ten thousand yeah. seat dream. Maybe Nakamura wants to lose that one too. Then, oh boy, maybe maybe they'd all yeah. be done. Wharton's done with his overseas touring. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the winners get a limited schedule. They don't have to do the overseas <laughs> tours anymore. Uh, yeah. As uh, as this crew gets set to head over for uh, shows in Abu Dhabi and India this weekend. Wow, jeez, that's yep. a long flight. After all of this, way after all of this push for Jinder Mahal, this Saturday is the India show, which began as two shows and was condensed into one. Hmm. Ah, wow. Because they couldn't sell tickets. Is that well? Right? You don't you don't cancel a show if there's strong advances for both. Hmm. So. And it's gender and Triple H. That's the that's the match. Hmm. So, well, yeah, well, I, I, I can't say Jinder Mahal was very much missed on this show. Oh, me. not at all. He's not missed. Period. In 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 contrast, I think AJ is really the champion that I think the show needs. You know, I he, think it'd be a horrible mistake to flip it back. It just feels Jinder is so much colder now. It's mm-hmm. like he feels in his right spot, and AJ feels in his right spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, uh. This to me was a SmackDown that I, I thought Raw was definitely the superior show this week. Um, mm-hmm. This was a show that had some stuff to it, it but it was kind of a um, missable show to me. I agree with you. I thought Raw had the better wrestling uh, on, on, on its show, which is, I think, very impressive considering how much time that it, you know, it is required to fill up Raw. Um, and just overall, I would say uh, more development and better promos uh, altogether on Raw, although I did love Owens and Zayn on this show. All right. Well, that's it. I really liked Raw this week. So that was uh, those are my closing thoughts. Uh, we are done. Uh, we will be back next Monday night following Raw uh, as we will be chatting Kane versus Braun Strowman. Uh, so you can always go to John Enway 4life and catch all of our shows. There is a uh, you can get the RSS feed there. Throw it into your podcast app to get it on iTunes. Many different ways. And both of us want to thank all the people out there that have been listening to these shows over the past month. I was looking at some of the numbers today, and I'm I'm blown away way by how many people have found these shows because I know they haven't been uh, the easiest at times for mm. people to uh, completely in- instantly follow along. So we are very much indebted to all of you that have. Uh, Found these shows and continued listening over the past month. Yeah, and, and, and let's take the chance to especially thank uh, the man who's been responsible for uploading all these shows. He's waiting for us to finish this show so he can upload it to the RSS feed right now, and that's Robert. So, Robert Brocky, thank you very much for uh, everything you've uh, provided so far for us. Yes, uh, Robert's been uh, the MVP behind the scenes, uh, so thank you very much. That's going to wrap it up, folks. Uh, you can follow all the latest at I am John Pollock at Way0937 on Twitter on Instagram, and we'll speak with you next week.